Hey, it's Doug Birch, and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. So, mental illness or mental health and the church. There's a lot of really bad stories, aren't there? People giving you really bad advice, trying to pray away depression and anxiety, guilt you that if you were just a little bit more spiritual, just a little bit more close to God, it would all go away. Well, on today's show, we're going to look at mental illness, mental health, all those issues when it comes from a spiritual perspective. Maybe God has a different understanding. Fairly spiritual, coming up. They say that I cannot do what you've called me to. It is not possible, unattainable. I will never see it through, but you've spoken. By your word, your Holy Spirit's leading me. You are my only one. You're the only one worth living for. So I'm holding all my dreams with you. Oh, I'm dreams with you. Well, thank you for listening to Fairly Spiritual. I am Doug Bursch. In today's show, I'm actually recording this live uh, on Periscope. Uh, you can follow me at Fairly Spiritual if you want to see that. And then, uh, depending upon if I like it or not, I'm going to upload it as a podcast. So I guess if you're hearing it, I liked it. I might have edited out parts. Uh, so I want to talk about mental health or mental illness. And I am not a mental health professional. I'm a pastor. I'm not giving counseling advice or psychiatric advice. If you are struggling in any way, uh, and struggling is even the wrong word because it sounds like only if things are really bad, you should deal with mental health. But if any level you have mental health questions, concerns, depression, anxiety, you should seek help from a mental health counselor, psychiatrist, someone who's an expert in this field. You shouldn't hesitate to do that. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing at all. That's something that you should, I'm an advocate for. Every person I have met, every Christian I've met who's received, and, and beyond just even mental health in the sense of whether it's counseling for marriage or, you know, there's a whole spectrum here, right? We're not going to get into all of it. But any area, whether it's just processing their life when it comes to just life decisions or when it comes to chemical imbalances, uh, when I have talked to them about having a healthy protocol uh, every person I've talked to has said things like, oh, I wish I'd done this sooner. So in that context, I want to encourage you, uh, do not use this podcast as some sort of um, way of bypassing that, okay? But this, the goal of this today is to maybe supplement or actually just help in the sense of with some really bad discussions out there, because frankly, there really are bad discussions out there when it comes to mental health in the church. And I want to just address some of them. First, I'd like to tell you a story. I pastor a church uh, in uh, Auburn, Washington, and I remember early on when I was pastoring the church, um, I was sharing some things about victory in Christ, and I've never been this super triumphalistic person who judge people and say, you know, you just need to be happier, and you just need to walk it off, and you just need to have joy and put a smile on your face, but I was uh, talking about different things in my life, and my sister, who's also a doctor, a family at the time she was a family practice doctor. Now um, she still works in medicine as a doctor, but she um, 
is also our worship leader. And uh, after the service, uh, one week, she sent me an email. And in that email, she wrote a very, I don't know how to say it, just incredibly kind and thoughtful email. I said, Doug, I know you've been talking about some of these highs and lows that you're having. And, <clears throat> and she used words that were just, they were appropriate, just the right words. And she said, I know you've been talking about spiritual battles and uh, no matter how, by the way, no matter how I qualify this email, I should have kept it. It doesn't do it justice. She just said the right words. She said, maybe what you're going through is not a spiritual thing as much as it is that you're dealing with depression. And then she said, if you feel like you might be dealing with depression, and she talked about that in my life I've had certain traumas and that those traumas affect things like you know serotonin and dopamine, and there's just limited capacities you have in your mind, and that maybe if I'm dealing with depression that she would help me with that. And she mentioned that she could recommend some doctors, she could recommend some medicine. And again, she said, you don't have to take that path. Here's just an option. Here's a suggestion. And she came to me in the most polite and gentle way and said, maybe that's an option. I have to tell you how freeing that was. I didn't see it as a threat because in our church and in our family, uh, we're advocates for one another. I didn't see my sister as attacking me. It was an amazing, eye-opening thing, and it helped me tremendously because she was pointing out something in me that, for me, there are cycles in my life. Now, I, I could say this. I, I currently, I don't take any medicine. I don't take any antidepressants or anti-anxiety things, but I'm not against that concept. And the fact that she said, Doug, these might be issues of depression in your life, I realized in my life that there are cycles, that I go through these cycles, that on a Sunday I have this high, and then on a Monday I have this low, and it's not about God being close to me or God being distant from me, it's about the fact that there's a certain exertion in my mind, like I just, I give a certain amount of energy, and then the next day there's this low, that there's a, a, a something I give out that I can't get back, and in fact, there are other things beyond that, just in my mental makeup, where now my wife can talk to me about it, and others can talk to me about it, and I can talk to my co-pastor about it and say, you know, regardless of what's going on in the church, regardless of what's going on with me, you know, am, am I in a place here? Do I, do I need some help here? What's going on? Is this affecting my ability to see things clearly? It was so powerful for me to not have to take ownership over this, like, well, maybe I'm just not doing my faith right, or you know, maybe there's just some big problem in the church. I could just be like, you know, this isn't about whether things are going well in the church or poor in the church. This isn't about whether God's on the throne. This is just about the fact that I have a certain mind and there's a certain level in my life where, I, I, in fact, for me, there's levels of anxiety that I've always had, even as a little kid. And I go through these cycles, kind of this high manic, kind of like everything's good and powerful. And then I crash. And in, in that context, and probably even people who are watching, they could say, oh, you're this kind of person or that kind of person. And, and by the way, you can feel free to analyze me. Others have. But it was so freeing to have someone come in and give me a resource to say, there's an aspect of your life that is tied to mental health. Just as there's an aspect of other parts of your body can get tired or worn out or have illness, that in your mind, there are also places that can have illness as well. And that's what I want to talk about today, that there is a reality to the mind, that the mind can be ill like any other part of your body. And it's not an issue, and, I, and some of you, this is so obvious for you. 
And so for you, you're just saying yes and amen, or you're a little angry, like, duh, Doug, of course. But I have to talk this way because you understand that in some corners of the church, we have talked about the mind in such a different way that people can't just say these kinds of things. The reality is God works through the human body. God works through us. I believe that God speaks to us. He interacts with us in the flesh, this flesh, this, this body God interacts with. And God interacts with our minds. He interacts with our emotions. He interacts with our intellect. And our intellect and our mind and our emotions, those are all physical realities. The mystery of the soul and the spirit and the flesh and how those things all interact, there is a mystery within that. But we know that God doesn't just interact with us in the super spiritual nebulous way. He actually interacts with us in the flesh. And we know that even through Christ Jesus, that Christ Jesus came in the flesh. So that God can interact in the flesh with us. We also know that every part of our body can be influenced in a way where it can be harmed. We know that we can born in, be born into this world where that our body can be harmed. We can be born where we're just born with certain deficits. We're born with certain sicknesses. We're born with certain propensities to sicknesses. We can be born with certain genetic propensities. We can. We, have you done that history where is there high blood pressure in your family? Is there diabetes in your family? We can be born into where genetics are literally passed on to us where it has affected us. We know that our bodies can be harmed. If I, with sports, you, you know this, right? If you, by the way, who had a terrible coach that made you do squats all the time? Did anybody else have a coach like that? For some reason, when I was in sports, the, they thought the best way to condition was to do squats, which is just terrible, right? You just ruin your knees. So some of you, you had coaches who made you do squats and it was hurting your knees. You know, you did these squats and you're like, this hurts my knees. And what'd the coach say? Just do more of them because there's this magical thing that if I do more of these squats, I'll somehow feel better. But you didn't feel better, right? And now you're a 40, 56-year-old man or woman, and now your knees hurt, right? Your knees hurt. Now, as a Christian, you can be a Christian. You can love Jesus. You can pray. You can be anointed with the Holy Spirit, and you still have knees that hurt. Why do your knees hurt? Because they were used in a way that was inappropriate. They were hurt. They were harmed. Do you feel condemned that your knees are hurt? Do you feel like you're morally insufficient or, you know, a, a second-class Christian because you have bad knees? I hope not. Now, if you're in a super hyper-faith place, maybe you do because you're not healed, and we can talk about that reality or that bad theology, but maybe, you know, you don't. You're just like, you know, that's what happens. We, we can even put it to a more extreme thing. Let's say you got in an accident when you were younger, and something happened where you you lost a limb you lost a finger or you lost a foot now let's say your life is in order right now you're you're following jesus you love jesus but your limb did not grow back <clears throat> you don't suddenly have a, a finger that grew back you don't suddenly have a limb that grows back you don't suddenly have the ability to not have knees that don't hurt these are all things we know these are obvious things but something has happened in the church where when it comes to the mind, we think, oh, this is a different category, but the mind is the same way. Just as the body can be harmed, the arms, the legs, the heart, the kidney, the mind can be harmed as well. 
Genetically, we can be born where certain parts of our mind just don't work quite the same way as other people. They can have a certain harm, whether it's a genetic harm, whether it's just just not, you know, I'm born kind of anxious. Just how I am. I'm just born this way. Or we can have trauma done to us that can harm us. Or the trauma has been so great that it has limited our supplies. This is where I'm going to be very vague. I'm not going to be scientific in this, but whatever that chemical is, serotonin or dopamine, it's affected it where we have a limited supply or capability, and it has actually made it where we've been depleted of what we need. Where our mind does not work in the way other minds would work because we were harmed in that area, just as because the knees were harmed by that dumb coach that made us do squats, our mind has been harmed by being in a place of trauma. Post-traumatic stress syndrome isn't because people just didn't try hard enough. It's because they were put in places where they were harmed. They were put in places where literally it's impossible for a human to survive. So somehow the mind survives. And in that, there's a harm done to the mind. A place, you know, often with post-traumatic stress syndrome in the simplest way, is someone is in a place where they can never relax. They can never be at peace. They're in constant threat of danger. There's no control in their life to be able to extricate themselves from danger. That means there's no place to be at peace. And so the mind finds ways to protect itself and to pull into itself and to kind of even dissociate from itself. And so to protect itself, there's a part of the self that pulls in and there's a part that kind of pushes out and creates these shelters and these protections. And it's amazing what the mind can do. And in my book, I have a whole chapter on this, on the community of God, about dissociating and how this happens to protect ourselves. But there's an aspect, and there's all kinds of complexities to PS, post-traumatic stress syndrome. And again, I'm, I'm not an expert at all, but harm happens to someone if they've been put in a place where they've been abused or are neglected, are in a violent war zone where they've seen things they shouldn't see, or they've been put out with countless times into situations of violence or harm or being unprotected. We know, we know that, like if someone said, my coach made me do a thousand squats every day, and you're like, well, that would harm your knees. And you say, well, I'm a Christian now, though, you know, and I love Jesus, so my knees should be okay. You'd say, well, no. Your knees are still going to hurt because your knees were harmed. And yet other people, they say, you know, I lived in trauma for 10, 15, 16, 17, 18 years. I had these terrible things happen. Uh, but no, you're going to be okay because now you have Jesus. Your, your mind's going to work perfectly. It's, it's all going to be great. You know, I was in a war zone where there was an undefined enemy line. And I was constantly under the threat of attack and my friends were 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 murdered and died in front of me and there was all kinds of uncertainty and when I came home I wasn't welcomed and I and I and I didn't even know how to process these things and I and oh but you'll be fine Jesus will just you know we literally come to people and we're more sympathetic to the fact that they have a college football injury well I understand your knees hurt because you played college football but because their mind is injured we say, you know, if you just love Jesus, you wouldn't be depressed anymore. Yeah, sure, you had a father who abused you, but you shouldn't be depressed. Sure, you had a church that you had trauma in, but you shouldn't be depressed. Sure, you were born just with an anxiety disorder, but you shouldn't be anxious. Someone can be born with a disability, and we, and we, which we should, if they're born with a physical disability, if they're born where an arm is different than the other arm, or they're born with a limp, or they're born with a lisp, or they're born with, with some physical disability, 
we, we can cherish them and we can celebrate them and we can say that has nothing to do with you. And yet someone is born where their mind has a disability, where they're anxious as a little kid, and I've been around little anxious kids, or, or there's depression that runs in their family, and we will judge them as somehow second-class citizens. Or worse, we'll call them sinners. The mind is a physical part of the body, and just as any other part of the body can be hurt and harmed, so can the mind. Now, this is so obvious to some of you, but I have to say this because there are churches that literally harm people whose minds are sick. And I say sick like this, like we say, oh, he's got a sick mind. What do we say when we say sick mind? Sick mind, like, oh, that's a terrible person. But a sick mind as in my mind is wounded. My mind has been hurt. There's no shame in having a mind that's been hurt or, a or your brain that's been hurt, just as, as your arm has been hurt or your finger has been hurt or your leg has been hurt. I wanted to use extreme examples because this is how absurd it is. Let's just say even before someone's a Christian. Now, you, you can be hurt as a Christian, but it's absurd. If someone was paralyzed from the waist down before they're a Christian and they become a Christian, guess what? They're still going to be a Christian who is paralyzed from the waist down, and we will completely embrace them. If someone has depression or anxiety before they're a Christian and they become a Christian, they may still have depression and anxiety because they still have issues with their mind that are sick or areas in their mind that don't quite work. And yet the person who is paralyzed from the waist down, we might say, well, we welcome you completely. That has nothing to do with you. But the person who's anxious or depressed, we go after them as you just need to pray a little bit more. You just need a little bit more of the Holy Spirit. So that's the first big picture. Another area I do want to go at is what I've seen is people who've been raised in these extreme environments where people have said, you know, you just need to pray and you just need to seek God and you don't need any medical attention and you don't need any counseling and you don't need any psychiatric help. What they sometimes do is a reactionary response where they reject all church help as well. And to me, this is wrong as well. A good psychiatrist would say that holistic healing includes any help that's necessary. Uh, some of the people I've been around who've gotten help with PTSD and other psychiatric issues, good psychiatric help is holistic help, which means you get the right medicines needed and you get the right community help needed. And yes, you pray. The mind is a complex organism. It's a relational organism. It, it, the studies show that people do well in community. Uh, hu there's things about touch, good touch and bad touch. There's things about connection, about talking, about interacting, about expressing oneself. And it's not just about medicine as well. It's about a holistic approach. And you know as well as I do that if we just say, oh, I'm just going to do one thing but not everything, we're in danger if the, everything is, if, if the one thing is cutting us off from a more holistic approach. This is another area for me that I think is extremely important. Because I see people do this. They say, uh, when it comes to mental health or mental illness, it's not about God, it's about science. And I would say this, I believe that God created every human. And I believe that human capacity comes from God and that our ability to solve problems is a gift from God. And so I don't think it's right to pit science against God. What I believe, the problem, what we've done is we've created this false dichotomy. 
every ability to heal is ultimately an expression of God's goodness on the earth. Human capacity to understand uh, depression, to understand anxiety, to understand disease processes, that's from our amazing minds, our amazing ability to study things, our amazing ability to solve problems. Guess who gave us that amazing ability? God gave us that amazing ability. So for me, it's not about either God heals or science heals. It's God heals. God heals through science. God heals through prayer. God heals in many ways. It's we give God the glory. So you know how God can heal someone? God can heal someone through the right medication, the right regimen, the right psychiatric counseling, the right community involvement, the right holistic treatment. But God gets the glory. In fact, that's where Paul really talks about this in Romans. He says, the issue with, with humans, in Romans 1 he says this, instead of serving the creator, we serve the created. And this is the danger to say, well, it's humanity against God. It's either God does it or humanity does it. To me, the danger is taking the knowledge that we have and saying it's about me versus thanking God for the knowledge he's given us. If God has given us the knowledge to bring healing through medical advancements, then I'm going to praise God for that knowledge. It's dangerous when we do this, when we say, and this is what we do. We, we set Christians in this place where we say, it's either about God healing you or science healing you. And so then a good Christian is like, oh, well, I, I believe in God. Are you saying God can't help me? I would rather say this. This is how God heals. God heals in a myriad of ways, and I would like you to holistically approach the fullness of God. God made us in his image. The scripture says we are wonderfully made. And because we're wonderfully made, we have the ability to come up with wonderful solutions. And so use the fullness of God's healing power. God has given us the ability to discover uh, healing properties in medicine. God has given us the ability to understand disease pathways. And because of that, seek the full healing of God. Seek it through science, seek it through medicine, seek it through prayer, seek it through meditation, seek it through however you feel best, you will holistically seek the healing that God desires for your life. And here's the deal, even if you don't receive the healing that you want to receive, seek whatever you can to be able to live the fullest life possible. Because it's not about everything going away. It might be just as someone who's paralyzed needs to learn how to live in a wheelchair. Maybe you're going to have to learn how to live with depression. But we can come alongside you and say, you're not a second-class citizen. We're going to find a way to enable you to participate. And just as someone with a wheelchair needs a ramp in order to be able to get into the church, someone with depression needs a ramp in order to be able to get into the church and to feel like they belong. And that means we don't tell them they have to put a smile on their face to be okay. That means we allow them to sometimes disappear and then come back in and we don't judge them for that because they are living in a reality that's different than we are. That we're not their judge, but we're here to help and we're here for the process of healing. It's not all or nothing. It's not science against God and God against science. It's God has given humans an amazing capacity. And I've seen this. I've seen people with many different uh, psychiatric issues, receive holistic healing. They're attending Bible studies where they're prayed for, for being at the altar and seeing God's presence rest upon them and seeing them in psychiatric care with the right medicine, the right treatment, the right covering. That it's not either or. That they're just free. They can be free to fully just do what they need for their health. And shouldn't they be free to make those decisions? 
I don't want anyone to feel like they have to defend their decisions to me. I want them to be free. Because I've seen people do this as well, where they'll go to their family practice doctor and they'll get a prescription for antidepressants, and that's not enough. They're setting their healing short. They actually need to go to a psychiatrist or a medical professional who knows more than their family practice doctor. The family practice doctor doesn't really know that much. And they just get some medicine. They're still disconnected. They're still not dealing with their family trauma. They're still not involved in some sort of healthy body. They're just taking some medicine from a doctor who really doesn't know them that well, who's not dealing with other things. To me, there's a bigger step, a next step, like, hey, let's really deal with this. Let's actually spend the money and the time and the effort needed to bring you the best healing or the best coping or the best scenario for you to be able to move forward in victory or at least in confidence that you're doing whatever it takes to live as healthy of a life as possible. And some of you know that, right? You had a doctor prescribe you really lousy medicine, but when you went to the expert, you got better medicine. And some of you know, too, that when you went to a psychiatrist, they said, yeah, this medicine's good, but you also need to talk some of this stuff out as well, right? It wasn't one or the other. It was both. And studies have shown that as well, that there's other things that continue disease processes as well. And there's other things that make it easier to heal when we're at peace with ourselves and with others. It's complex, isn't it? This isn't about anyone getting to be your judge. It's about you having freedom to do what God has called you to do. There's so much we could talk about in this. Science has shown that the mind changes and the fact that it has new pathways and there's new ways to discover things and there's new ways that we can find what we need. And that requires taking steps of faith where even when we don't feel like it, we can move in a direction and trust that maybe a new pathway will be formed that maybe we can function. But today's show I did for a very important reason. One, if anyone has ever come to you and made you feel condemned because you're anxious or depressed or you're struggling with bipolar disorder or, or whatever area that you're dealing with and they've called you a second-class Christian, they have no right. Just as any part of the mind can be harmed, so can those parts of your mind be harmed. Or any part of the body can be harmed, so can the mind be harmed. And you have every right to contend for your health and your well-being. And I would encourage you to find whatever help you need. And I would encourage you, if you're a pastor or a leader, to contend for the health of those around you. Become educated. To not put someone in some narrow box where the only way they can find healing is your narrow conception of healing. And I would encourage all of us as Christians not to buy into these all-or-nothing approaches where we pit God against science and science against God we are created beings. Science is formed through humans. Humans are created and we image God. Science is all ultimately an image of God. We put ourselves in these false dichotomies. The problem with science is they don't give glory to God. Some scientists do, some don't. You have to stop buying into this anti-intellectual thing. The issue is when you make a discovery, you thank God for it. You say, thank you, Lord, for giving me the ability to discover this disease pathway. Thank you for giving me the ability to come up with this medicine. Thank you for this. If you're struggling right now with some mental health issues, I want to encourage you, invest in yourself. And if you have a friend or a family member or a loved one, and they're struggling with mental health issues, would you invest in them? Would you give them permission to pursue health for their life? 
And instead of trying to fix them, maybe let them know that maybe they'll always struggle with depression or anxiety, that you're going to love them no matter what, and that you're here to provide whatever resources or to support the resources they've found so that they can live the fullest life possible, that you're not just waiting around for them to get fixed, but that you're going to love them no matter what. I wish I wasn't anxious, but I am. I wish I didn't go through cycles of depression, but I do. Not like some of you, but even the stuff I deal with, I wish it would go away. I still pray that those things would go away. I still, uh, you know, want things to change in my life. But I'm confident of this, that God loves me and I can still pastor and I can still minister even when I feel lousy. That God loves me even when I preach a message and I'm sad when I go home. That even today, even after I do this, even if I don't feel very good afterwards, or if somebody says something mean to me and it cuts me to the heart and I want to quit, and by faith I move forward. I can still trust I'm called, I'm equipped, God loves me, I'm still a Christian, God's still on the throne, things are okay. I'm just struggling, my mind's struggling. Just like a knee that might be aching or another part of my body that might not be working the way I want it to work. My mind isn't working the way I want it to work, but God still loves me. And I can have confidence in this, that someday this mind will be fully healed and this body will be fully healed as well. All right, thanks for listening. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. He's not through with you. He has a plan for your life. Uh, This podcast it's just a labor of love. One way to support it is you can buy my book, The Fairly... Oh, I was just going to say my book, The Fairly Spiritual Show. That's the podcast. You can buy my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor on Amazon. You can go to my website, fairlyspiritual.org. You can follow me on Twitter. That's Fairly Spiritual. This music that you're hearing on the podcast is from my brother, Dan Bursch. You can pick up his music on iTunes. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. I'll see you next time. They say that I cannot do what you've called me to. It is not possible, unattainable. I will never see it through. But you've spoken by your word, your Holy Spirit's leading me. My only one, you're the only one worth living for, so I'm